my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Sam Edis. And I'm Amy Nelson. Welcome to What's Her Story with Sam and Amy. This is a show about the world's most remarkable women, their professional and personal journeys. Together, we'll hear from gold medalists, best-selling authors, and leaders of the world's most iconic brands. Listen every Thursday or join the conversation anytime on Instagram at What's Her Story Podcast. This is part two of our two-part series with entrepreneur Sarah LaFleur, CEO and founder of clothing brand M.M. LaFleur. Sarah, you have had a wild few years personally. Yeah, yes. You, you went through a lot. And then, I mean, this just expansive beauty that you welcomed three babies in seven weeks. 
Yeah, I know. It was it was insane. And this was all through COVID as well. And you know what? Actually, I honestly think that got me through it. I think if I had if I were like a hundred percent my job, which is I would say definitely how I was pre-kids, then I think I might have just crumbled under the stress. But there was something about like, oh well, like I've got three humans to feed. Got, gotta go, you know, <laughs> that like made it somehow manageable. But yes, the, backing up a little bit. Yes, my long story is that, um, you know, I struggled to get pregnant for a really, well, yeah, for a while. But I think pretty early on, I, I learned that I had um, a congenital condition called a unicornuate uterus, which basically means I, I have half a uterus. It's kind of shaped like a banana, which is so strange. <laughs> it's, a, it's a banana-shaped uterus, and I have one fallopian tube. And so, you know, as it is, like, my chances of getting pregnant are lower just because, like, you ovulate not, you know, you're not always rotating one, one um, ovulating from one ovary versus the other, but just it just basically means your chances are kind of half to begin with. And then the biggest problem was that they, they you know, they said, like, you're, you're likely to miscarry in your second trimester or even your third trimester, so you probably want to consider surrogacy from the get-go. And I, you know, I, I had a hard time kind of getting over that emotionally. Like that was a big hurdle for me. So I, you know, I was like, well, why don't I, why don't I try first with IVF and uh, multiple miscarriages, you know, things really just like not playing out the way I had hoped. And that went on for basically two plus two and a half years. And ultimately um, we did turn to surrogacy and I, 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 husband Chris and I met this incredible woman, uh, Trisha, who is the mom of two girls, twin girls, and she agreed to be our carrier. And uh, we tried one transfer with her, um, and that failed, which was devastating because you kind of think, like, this is the last thing. Um, Like, if this doesn't work, I don't know where else to turn. Anyway, it didn't work, and so I said, okay, I want to try it one more time with a slightly different protocol, an IVF protocol. I got pregnant, but I was, you know, pretty sure I was going to miscarry again, so I was like, let's try one more time with Trisha, and Trisha said, you know, I want to try with two embryos, like, I feel like it's going to work this time. And anyway, we did it, and somehow that was the time that it worked. And this is like literally, I I want to say like three weeks before we went into lockdown. But um, she, Trisha, ended up uh, giving birth to our twins in September. And and I actually, I'm kind of convinced that the only reason I actually was able to carry to term was because of COVID, as terrible as that sounds. Like I was at home all the time. Like I wasn't running around like a crazy person. And uh, I always had my feet up. So I, um, and and actually that's, that's been like, I think that's been reported in the New York Times that like, they were seeing historic rates of a decrease in NICU babies during COVID. But anyway, so so they were born back to back. And we flew out to Minnesota in September 2020 to welcome them. And yeah, I mean, I owe Trisha everything. And then you gave birth when? August, early August. Did you take your baby with you to meet his siblings? So we did it because we were so worried about COVID. And it looked like we were going to have to quarantine it was all like the the it was one of those days where the state laws were constantly changing to say like which state is now on the quarantine list versus which state which states are not and we were terrified that 
Kento was going to get COVID. And that was, again, a time we didn't know all that much about kids and COVID. So we ended up leaving him with my mother-in-law and my aunt. My parents were still in Japan this, at this point. They didn't actually get to meet the kids until they were closer to one. But my bless them, my, my mother-in-law, my aunt were champions and, you know, they did all the night feeds and all of that. And so uh, we brought them back, I think about a, about 10 days later. So what is a day like now? I mean, now you are running a company and you have three small children. I will be, I will say like, I do it with a, a lot of help and I just want to be like super transparent about this because um, I, I've got a nanny and an au pair. And that is how we make it work. And we've also got my mother-in-law often coming to help and my parents often coming to help. And I somehow still feel like that's not enough help. You know, just a month ago, we all had COVID. And so it was just me, my husband, and actually my mom also got COVID with us, which was what actually it helped because we had three adults instead of two. And all of our kids had COVID. And I surprisingly got really, really sick to the point where like day 12, I'm having to take Paxlovid. And um, it was so hard. And then the day we're supposed to, you know, emerge from quarantine, our nanny got COVID. And actually right now our au pair has COVID. So like it just, if I'm being totally honest, it does feel like I am solving for one day at a time. You know, it's like every single day I'm like, okay, do we have childcare today? Okay, good. I can go to work. So I don't know. Do you have tips? (laughs) (laughs) My tip, like listening to you. A, like it is really hard and COVID has made parenting children so much harder in different ways for babies and different ways for teenagers, right? Uh, my kids are young. They're seven. I have four girls who are seven, six, four, and three. But in listening to your story, like I had to text Sam earlier today and I was like, just so you know, today's madness because there's no babysitter and the kids don't have camp. There's COVID in another and one of my siblings' families and everything's a mess. But like... I think that used to derail me completely. And now I'm like, well, this is just what we're doing, right? And like, we have to do the best we can with what we have, where we are in this wild, different world we live in. And everyone I work with knows like, I'll like I'll be you know waiting for some practice and taking calls or I get up really early and I work for an hour and a half while they're still asleep, but like I'm not available sometimes in the middle of the day for chunks of the day. And that's life. And then like Sam is my motherhood mentor because she's a few years ahead of me. But the other thing I would say too is just that like there there are some things of like that I do tactically like I put all of my kids' clothes in the laundry room. They live in the the, the clothes stay in the laundry room. Their closets and their bedrooms are empty. That's brilliant. I don't care. <laughs> like you're all getting dressed in here. <laughs> it's hours of time, and then and they're fine with it. And then the other thing is I do the same thing for dinner every Monday, the same thing every Tuesday, the same thing every Wednesday, which makes grocery ordering super easy. I don't think about it. I change it like every few months, but that's it. That That's amazing advice. It reminds me of my mom. My, when I was like folding the, the baby clothes once, she was like, why are you folding them? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> she was like, just put them in a basket and put it away and you can just dig for whatever you need. And I was like, okay. <laughs> it just like surprisingly saved so much time. But yeah, I, you know, I, I thank you for, for just even like sharing that because I think sometimes I feel, I feel tremendous guilt, especially towards my colleagues, you know, who are working so hard and I'm like, oh my God, I need to like hold up my end of the bargain. And, um, and that has felt really hard the past two years. And so 
you know, I realize how, I mean, I'm clearly super privileged. I also run my own company, so I get to set, set my own times. But it, it's, um, I do try to share that with my team and, like, make it really clear. And I, I, I'm hoping, I, I think, you know, I'm just thinking about my executive team. It's all women um, now. It's not, it wasn't, like, intentional. That's just kind of how... You know, um, people came, people left, and, and now we've got an all-female team. Um, and for our moms, and and uh, we've all been going through some some type of COVID COVID situation. And so I think we're, we're trying to show a lot of um, grace and understanding with each other, so that we can all make it work. I'll share two things, Sarah. First, you clearly earned your team's respect with your intense pre-kid work ethic. So I think you can drop the guilt there. They know the Sarah who gives 150% of the time, you know? So this is a moment. I like to call the first five years of parenting the maintenance years. It's so much manual labor and you just have to get through them. And once the kids are four or five, it'll be 10 times easier and you'll be in the honeymoon period until the teen years. <laughs> Trust me, I know that. So this won't go on for that much longer. You're right. And I, you know, it, it, it's, um, I mean, I love my job, so I, I, and also, I, you know, I'm founder CEO. I would never leave, but it is one of those moments where I suddenly was like, "Oh, I, I get why women leave the workforce now." And I, I know, and I've got a, like a super supportive, a truly like fifty-fifty husband. But it just, I seem to be like, well, I mean, he's definitely affected by it too. But we joke, we're like, one of us has to be the wife. Who is it gonna be? <laughs> so. Yeah. Okay. So, so three more years, three more years. These baby years are really short and our careers are long. So it's important not to make short-term decisions that affect your career forever. Amy and I try to share this with women because once you get through those tougher years, you'll be so happy you maintained what you had. Yeah, for sure. Also, you can, like, you can still build during these years. Like, you know, I started the Riveter when I was, I didn't know it, but I was pregnant with my third daughter in three years. And like, you can do that. Like like you, Sarah, I would say I had an, a wild amount of support. I had two nannies and my mother, and it never felt all the same. Like, yeah. you're not alone in that. When you have many children who are very young, Sam had her kids close together, too. You need a massive amount of support, and that is a, a big privilege to do that, but it's a privilege that you pay for. Completely, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I also think, you know, Sam has always said this to me, because I'm still, I'm still in that phase, right? My youngest is three, but... It also like applies to your marriage. I mean, you're talking about, you know, like with your husband's also juggling with taking care of the kids and his job, but like your marriage during this period, like when people ask me how my marriage is, I'm like, it's fine, but like we have little kids. What does it even matter? Right? Like the focus right now is totally <laughs> right. And like we're fine. That's we're so true. And like, and that's okay because you can't have everything be wonderful and you can't dedicate massive amounts of time to every relationship that you have with work, with your spouse, with your kids. Like, it's just ever shifting. And so I think that getting through these years is really hard and there's no easy way around it. It's so true. Um, my husband and I fought like feral cats during COVID. I thought I thought one of us is going to kill the other one. I'm not sure who it's going to be, but somehow made it through alive. And I think our marriage is stronger for it. Um, we, test, testing our, we've been together since college. So, we, you know, I got, we're almost at 17 years. But it is like, I, I do wonder, like, had we not had, like, ample time to, like, just be the two of us, whether we would have survived 
the past two years. So yeah, it's, it's testing us in, in ways I never knew possible. Absolutely. And in terms of the guilt thing, when you're at work, you're giving 100%. And at home, you're giving 100% of your energy there. So that eliminates a lot of the guilt. But when you're feeling guilty in either place, you're not giving 100%. I used to feel so guilty going on business trips when my kids were little. And then I realized I wasn't doing anyone any good because my trip wasn't going as well as it could because I was feeling guilty. And then my kids weren't benefiting from the guilt. So instead, I kind of shifted my mindset and I'd get on the plane and commit to leaving it all behind and being present on the trip. And that would allow me to be more present and focused on my kids when I got home. I love that. I think I said my mom's an entrepreneur, but she said um, something to me when we were all in COVID lockdown uh, together, uh, she said, um, my job is my most in- uh, is the most interesting thing in my life, but the children are the most important thing in my life. And I thought that was good perspective. And I was like, fine, fine. We're not the most interesting. Ne- never thought we were, but, <laughs> you know. How does she feel about your career and the fact that you've taken the entrepreneurial path? I think when I said I was going to quit my this private equity, cushy private equity job, she was like, are you insane? Are you out of your mind? But then I was like, she's an entrepreneur too. So it's like, clearly, you know, she could not have imagined the apple falling that far from the tree. And I think she gets it. She said, she said to me once, starting a business is like taking off your stockings. It's like, once you put them off, you can never put them back on. She's very philosophical, but I, I think it's true. I, you know, I am. Um, and so she's very, very supportive. Um, really like she was a you know a pioneer in many ways like she she lives in Japan she started her own business in in the early 90s really unheard of i mean in Japan period but like especially you know 30 years ago kind of just it didn't exist and she always said um you know my company is the kind of company where work and life mix all the time and that's okay. So if if one of my kids calls me during the workday, I'm going to take the call. And if your mom is ill and you want to go home and take care of her, you go do that. And so she, she, you know, she's been running her company now for 30 years. And, you know, it's a collective of these women who have a lot of caretaking responsibilities, whether that's aging parents or younger kids or now grandkids. But she's like, it's all people who love to work. And so we just kind of all make it work. And I, I think, I, I mean, she's obviously um, a big hero of mine. And But I think in, in many ways, the, her way of, of approaching things has kind of slipped into my subconscious. And it's just so different from, I think, how I was trained to work being in corporate America the first few years where I actually remember this one conversation where like one of my, one of my um, colleagues was really sick and she needed to go to the emergency room and, and her boss said something to the effect of, well, like, you, you can't really get sick at this job <laughs> as though it were like a choice, you know. But that's, that's actually so much of, I think, how corporate America operates or ha- and has operated. I, hopefully it's starting to change a little bit. And so I really am trying to do something different. I think I, I myself am the, the test case. Like, you know, can I make it work? And, and hopefully can other people benefit from it where women can like stay in the workforce and, and, and also feel like they can be there for the people who are important for her. And now a quick break. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. 
My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I've never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s. She looked like a million bucks. With zero qualifications. She had a Harvard plaque. Tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About $6 million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to go to the speed round now, so we'll ask some brief questions, and you can give us quick answers. What book are you reading? It's called The Magician. It's amazing. So it's Colm, I'm not going to pronounce his last name correctly. It's, a, it's an Irish last name. 
Poison. But anyway, it's an amazing book. It's about um, Thomas Mann, the the great author, and uh, who was gay. And it's, it's I mean, it's fiction, but it's it's uh, it's seen through his eyes growing up in in Germany, uh, part of a Jewish, a really well established Jewish family, and and what happens to him. And I, I should say, like maybe, I mean, fiction is totally my escape. I think it's like the one thing that really like takes my mind off a lot of the things that are going on. Your mom's drink of choice was whiskey. What's your drink of choice? I love to drink, um, but actually right now I've been drinking a lot of Spindrift because I feel like I can't handle my alcohol the way I used to. So I am um, I'm actually as soon as I put the kids to bed, I just like pop a Spindrift grapefruit, uh, the grapefruit flavor, and I, I actually pour it into a wine glass, and it makes me feel like I'm having a cocktail. Who leaves you starstruck? Gosh, I, I'm going to have to go with Deirdre Quinn. She's the the founder and CEO of Lafayette 148, which is just um, an incredible brand. And she is a founder CEO that I admire so much. And whenever I'm in her presence, I just feel like I just want to like suck all of her wisdom. Um, and anyway, so she she's wonderful. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? Oh, I hope I'm CEO of MM Lafleur. I I love it. I and maybe that's why I'm not an entrepreneur. Like I don't I don't see myself like starting many 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 businesses. Like I think like I found something I really like and and I I would love to keep doing it. Lou Burns has been listening to our entire interview. He comes in at the end with a male perspective. Take it away, Lou. I'm wondering about your husband and what he felt and thought. Uh, the moment, like maybe like during the trimester, when you both realize that, like, oh shit, we're gonna have three more mouths, butts <laughs> in this house. Did you guys have a conversation about that? What was that that moment like? So I actually, so when when I, I think I shared, Trisha, our carrier said like, let's transfer two embryos, and I remember Chris and I, so we were about to go visit his brother in Philadelphia. So we were sitting at the Amtrak station in Philadelphia station. And this was right after my, um, the first transfer had failed. And so we were feeling really, really low and we were about to go see family. And we were like, uh, like we didn't feel like we could be like chirpy about it. Anyway, Chris was like, we should definitely only transfer one embryo because what happens if we end up with twins? And I was like, we would be so lucky if we ended up with twins, you know? And, and we actually called the doctor to say, like, is there a chance of twins? And the doctor via the nurse relayed the message to us, don't worry, there's no chance of twins because the embryo qualities are so low. And then we ended up with twins with Trisha. And so he was like, I told you so. I effing told you so. So I think he was, like, in in shock, horror, way longer than I was. I just moved to cloud nine, like, super quickly. And he was like, what on earth just happened? But he got over it. And now actually he's like, it's easier. We could just do it all at once, one and done. So yeah, he got there emotionally. It took a while though. Now, when they started eating solid food, was everybody assigned a child? <laughs> what was it like? Uh, so actually, I'll tell you, somehow eating I found easier because um, you can just like you're feeding them with like a spoon, right? And so you're just going from one to, you know, and you can like, they're chewing while, while the other one is getting fed and, and it somehow works. What I actually found hardest was bottle feeding. 
because it's like you, you have to hold up three bottles at the same time. Like how on earth do you do it unless you have two people there at all times, which is not always a given. Um, and we ended up buying something that you definitely cannot find in America because I think every American mom or any American would find it so shameful, but you can, so we found it on a Chinese Amazon website and it's, it's like, like almost like a necklace that you strap around your baby's neck and you can put the bottle in the necklace. And so you can like literally, you can, it can be hands free. <laughs> and so literally we would just like put the necklace on all three babies and they would feed themselves. You read about like any like mother, motherhood, mothering site. And they're like, you know, this is a really important time for you to bond with your baby. So like hold the bottle and look at the baby's eyes. And I was like, nope, don't have time for that. Like put on your necklace, like it's time to eat. (laughs) Amy, I loved Sarah. She's so fantastic. I feel like we'd be great friends with her. I don't know. She makes me want to start an entrepreneur support group and invite her to be the first member. 100%. She's incredible. And, you know, it's it's really interesting. One of the things that I thought was most interesting in speaking to her was, like you said, it's super clear she has this incredible work ethic, right? And that she built this company out of an idea. She hired someone to find her co-founder to design the clothes she envisioned in her mind. And she has stuck with the growth for over a decade. And like, that is really hard with a startup. I mean, when she said she was clear in 10 years, she still wanted to be the CEO of MM LaFleur. I was like, really? Because I don't know if I can still be the CEO of the Riveter. I might be dead. But, but it's really like she has this incredible work ethic. And it's interesting to see someone with that work ethic transition into motherhood and the way we think about work. You know, when we're in those early years of motherhood, when you're like all of us and you're workaholics and what that means. And I, she was just really honest about it. And I thought it was really interesting. I think because I'm in the thick of year four as an entrepreneur, I just found her perspective so comforting and helpful and inspiring. I was so appreciative of how honest and unfiltered she was. Thanks for listening to What's Her Story with Sam and Amy. We would appreciate it if you leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, connect with us on social media at What's Her Story Podcast. What's Her Story with Sam and Amy is powered by my company, The Riveter, at theriveter.co and Sam's company, Park Place Payments, at parkplacepayments.com. Thanks to our producer, Stacey Para, and our male perspective, Lou Burns. <laughs>